Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Bill Snyder from Verta Health. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Michael. Really excited to be on. Awesome. Great to have you. So here's the game plan. What we seek to do on this show is to challenge the status quo and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to either lower their healthcare costs or improve value for their employees. Sound like something you'd like to help with? Absolutely. All right. So to get us started, I'll read a brief bio about you so our audience has a little bit of context about who they're listening to, and then we'll jump into it. Perfect. So Bill Snyder serves as Vice President for Enterprise Partnerships and Health Plans at Verda. In this role, Bill has national responsibility for the sales and business development teams at Verda. Prior to joining Verda, Bill spent 12 years in various leadership roles at Humana. Bill has an MBA from Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management and a Bachelor's in Science from Vanderbilt University. Bill lives with his wife, Gudrun, and daughter, Suna, in Chicago's West Loop neighborhood and is passionate about finding innovative approaches to improving healthcare. Anything else you'd like to add, Bill? Uh, you know, the only other thing is we're fortunate that we actually had an addition to the family and we've got uh, a new young boy, Jack, as well. So, uh, yep, big focus for us and very excited. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, Bill, uh, you, you've been in the business for a while now. So how did you, you get into the, the health insurance industry in the first place? And, and why did you decide to leave Humana and join Verta Health? Yeah, uh, great questions, Michael. So um, how I got into the industry in the first place is, is interesting. It was actually my senior year at Vanderbilt. I was taking a healthcare economics course. And I can still remember being, at the time, naive and really surprised at the asymmetric information that is out there. So the fact that us as consumers and as patients didn't have a lot of information on both cost and quality, and we kind of just showed up and care was provided to us without us having a background uh, and knowledge of that care, both in quality and cost. So I can remember that was just really interesting to me and surprising. And so that was my first kind of step into, into thinking about healthcare, both as a problem and as a solution. And so I learned about Humana. I thought they were doing some really interesting things and joined right out of undergrad in a uh, rotational leadership solution program. As you mentioned, spent over a decade there, really enjoyed it. learned a lot along the way and just an incredible organization. The decision to join Verda was, was an easy one. When I learned about what Verda was doing and its revolutionary approach to diabetes reversal, uh, I was hooked immediately. And then the problem that they were solving for was so profound and continued to grow and grow and grow, as I'm sure we'll talk about during the podcast. It was something I, I was just drawn to. And then meeting the, the leadership team, you know, just helped me completely ensure that it was going to be the right place. They're, they're doing something revolutionary. They're solving a problem uh, that faces not only the U.S., but the entire global population. Uh, and, we're, and we're just doing really important work. That's awesome. And, and I want to spend a, a lot of time on that because um, I do agree. I think you guys are doing some really important work. But let's take, take a step back for a second and look at healthcare from a macro level. You know, nearly a fifth of the U.S. economy goes to healthcare spending, a far larger share than any other first world wealthy country in the world, right? So research suggests that price rather than volume of services is the main driver in this disparity. And, and price is also a factor in pushing up our, our overall costs over time. So 
been countless studies about this. Most recently, you know, Kaiser, you know, we, we really have an affordability problem. So what do you think, in your opinion, is wrong with our current healthcare delivery and, and purchasing system? I think a lot of it is around, I'd, call it, I'd, I'd point to two leading factors. Misalignment of incentives is number one. Information is number two. And, and what I mean by that is, in a lot of ways, the way that we uh, consume healthcare is, is backwards from anything else that we do. And I, I've heard someone explain this previously. I, I can't take credit for, for, for this summary of it, but it's almost like if you went to a grocery store, walked down the aisles and put everything in your cart and you didn't know much about what you were purchasing and you certainly didn't know the cost of what you were purchasing, a month later, you get a bill for, for whatever you bought. And that's really backwards in the way that, that we consume anything. And so I think uh, not having that information up front, not knowing both the cost and the quality of the care that's being provided is a big issue. I think the second piece to that is who then has the incentive to provide that information and that transparency of quality. And I think traditionally, especially in the historical fee-for-service models, we have been paying for, for volume of care, not for value of care. Both of those areas, the misalignment of incentives uh, and then the lack of information and transparency for us as consumers has been an issue. And so uh, certainly I'm excited that, that Verta is tackling both of those, those areas to help kind of revolutionize diabetes solutions as a category. So let's, so let's talk about diabetes a, a little bit, you know, as a precursor to, to getting into, you know, Verta. So obviously diabetes is, is a national epidemic, right? It's, it's growing in prevalence and it's really expensive from a cost burden. You know, average annual cost for a diabetic three to four times that of a nine diabetic, I believe, you know, approximately 12 to $14,000 a year. And so we have all these medications out there that are some, some that are very cheap metformin to those that are very expensive that treat diabetes, right. But they're, they're really not doing anything to cure it. Right. Or, or, or they're really just making it so that somebody can, can live with it and manage it. Right. So are these medications really doing anything to deal with root causes? So, uh, Michael, you just hit a major issue right on the head. And, and, and let's think about it from a patient perspective, right? Let's think about a patient who has been newly diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And the, uh, the traditional model of information and care that's been provided, not by all providers, but, but by the majority, has been telling the patient that this is a chronic disease, it's irreversible, it's something that they're going to have to manage and live with. And by manage, they should eat less, exercise more, and oh, by the way, take medication. And over time, what we see is that uh, volume of medication and the different types of medication continues to increase. And as you alluded to, what we've also seen is an increase of overall price in those medications uh, here in the US. So from a patient perspective, you're being told that there's not a whole lot of hope you're maybe feeling guilty in some cases when you're being told that you need to eat less, exercise more. You are being put on expensive medication that's expensive for you from an out-of-cost perspective. And many times it can be really invasive. I mean, when you think about a patient who is now diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and needs to inject exogenous insulin, that's a life-changing event. So that's been kind of the, the, the status quo for these patients. And so I, I think one of the things that we really need to consider is what is available to, to change that discussion. And, and that's what we're doing at Verda. And for the first time, these patients, in some cases who have been diagnosed, lived with, uh, and been trying to manage type 2 diabetes for decades, are being told for the first time ever, you can reverse this disease. 
you can get to sub-diabetic HbA1c levels. And oh, by the way, we can get you off of these expensive and invasive medications as well. Uh, so I think that's what's really revolutionary and resonates with patients because that's what they need. And um, being told that, hey, you're going to live with this and you just need to take me- more medication it, it is just not a great answer. That's a perfect transition to, into what Verta Health is and what it's trying to do, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about treating diabetes, not with medication, but with something else. So let's, let's dive into that. You know, tell us about the product, the service, and, and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to, Michael. Thank you. And, and I'll tell you a little bit just about a quick background story of, of Verda and, and the founding of Verda. So in 2014, Verda was founded with the mission of reversing type 2 diabetes in 100 million people by the wow. year 2025. So big, bold goal. And again, the key term there for us is, is reversing the disease. And we define that, again, as getting patients to sub-diabetic HbA1c levels and removing all hypoglycemic medication with the exception of metformin. So really big goal. And I mentioned it was founded in 2014. It was founded by our current CEO and co-founder, Sami Inkinen, along with our other, other two co-founders, Dr. Stephen Finney and Dr. Uh, Jeff Bullock, who are both renowned experts on metabolic health. And quick story about Sami. Sami won his age group at the Ironman World Championship. So you can imagine, very fit, um, just very athletic, yep. and was diagnosed with prediabetes that same year. So here's a person in perfect peak condition being diagnosed with prediabetes. So he, he really dug into the science behind metabolic health and again, partnered with Drs. Finney and Dr. Volek. And that was kind of the, the beginning of the creation of Verda. And, and so essentially what, what we're doing at Verda is empowering our patients to truly reverse their type 2 diabetes while getting off expensive medication. And the, the way that so, we- so I'm going to stop you there for a second. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Revolutionary concept here. We're going to treat disease without drugs. Did I hear that correctly? You, you did. You said it. We, we, are, we are treating disease without drugs. Absolutely. Seems completely revolutionary. And so we are absolutely working with our patients, getting them off of expensive medication, doing it very, very safely, ensuring that it's a sustainable treatment to keep them sub-diabetic, and then also keeping all other parties of the care ecosystem informed. So I can, I can certainly walk through how we do that. But, but you hit it on the headline. We are reversing the disease and we're taking patients off of medication. All right, let's, let's get into it. How, do, how does that happen? What is, what is the magic? What is the process to make that happen? When we work with our patients, the first thing that we do is make sure that, that they're enabled with information and with all the durable medical equipment that they need to be successful throughout their treatment. So when a patient works with Verda, there's really two key sources of innovation that we provide that help achieve these incredible outcomes. Mm-hmm. And those two key sources, the first is our continuous remote care model. And the second is our innovative approach to very, very specific, so a very specific and individualized component on health. So we, we do advocate for a carb-restrictive lifestyle coupled with continual biomarker tracking to understand how each patient's unique and individual biochemistry reacts to a low-carb lifestyle. So one in, so just using one of those components it really doesn't create the results that we've been able to achieve. So to dig into that a little bit more, a patient that enrolls with Verta, uh, first thing that they're going to do is work with one of our physicians. So we actually employ our own doctors mm-hmm. who work with our patients and also with other providers outside of Verta. Sure. Uh, but, but each patient's uh, provided a complete care team. They're provided all the durable medical equipment to test key biomarkers. So we're asking mm-hmm. them to test their body weight, their blood glucose, their blood ketones. So the ketone is a, 
analog of fat in the blood. We provide all the lancets and testing strips to make it very easy for the patient to begin the Verta treatment. They're also set up with a specific care team, so a Verta physician and a Verta health coach that are working with them and monitoring those biomarkers on a daily basis. From there, we talk about our nutritional uh, therapy, which again is set in a carb-restrictive lifestyle, but always reviewed based on their biomarkers. So we titrate that lifestyle based on what each patient's unique biochemistry is telling us through our feedback loop. Breaking those pieces up doesn't really work. Um, so we have this full picture of that patient's ongoing health as opposed to a, a point in time care. So as opposed to 15 minutes every six months in a physician's office, we're using leading indicators from those biomarkers and then adjusting the care plan for every patient based on what we're seeing. Now, you talked about kind of a carb restrictive you know, diet. My understanding is that what that really is, is, is nutritional ketosis. Is that correct? So we do have patients that are in nutritional ketosis. And for listeners who aren't familiar with nutritional ketosis, uh, it's really a, uh, a state where your body begins to burn fat as fuel as opposed to glucose. And so we certainly um, see patients get to that state of nutritional ketosis, uh, but not all the patients that we treat are necessarily in that state at all times or even achieve that state. So it's really personalized based on each individual's uh, biochemistry because all of us have different carb tolerance levels and all of us, our biochemistry will react very differently to low carb lifestyles. But, but let's talk about, wh about why that is a potential solution. I mean, why can't, because a person with diabetes, right, they can't use sugar or glucose from food for energy. The reason that, that uh, a low-carb lifestyle is, is so impactful is when you look at different macronutrients and the way that they uh, maintain glucose levels, you see different spikes based on different types of macronutrients that you're putting into your body. And carbs causes very, very high spikes in glucose levels and then crashes. And mm -hmm. essentially, medication often is used to help with those plateaus and try and plateau those spikes out. But over time, your body becomes resistant to certain medications like exogenous insulin. Then the way that, that the traditional care has combated that is to add more medication, add more insulin. We talked earlier about the application of more and more medication for patients being treated in the U.S., and you couple that with the increase of cost for these medications, you're really having a, a, a negative impact on the quality of life for the patient, the outpatient costs absorbed by the patient, uh, I'm sorry, the out-of-pocket costs absorbed by the patient, and then sure. the cost to any plan sponsor as well. Yeah. And so, oh, sorry, go ahead, Michael. Well, I was just going to say, so really, I mean, we're talking about food, right? The type of food that somebody consumes is the root cause for a lot of these issues of, of you know, or, or if, if a person's body cannot tolerate or process that sugar and glucose, right, that, that leads to that, that diabetic state. And so what you're saying is this is attacking the problem with nutrition. You absolutely, you, you hit it on the head. You know, we are using food as medicine. And the great thing is people do hear this and say, okay, is this really difficult to follow? right? So patients may say, boys, will this be difficult to keep engaged? And actually, it's, it, we're not seeing that at all. A couple reasons why. The first is the fact that there's no type of calorie counting or anything like that. We're telling our patients, eat till, you're, till satiation. So, so we're not restricting their calories in any way. The other thing is the impact that we're having on patients is so fast and so profound that it, it is truly life-changing. And we've got, um, you know, we are rooted in clinical science. So one mm -hmm. of the things that, uh, one of the first things that we did before we did anything about bringing a solution to market 
was set up a clinical trial that was really important to us and continues to be uh, just where we're grounded as, as an organization is clinical research. Sure. And, and so what we've seen uh, from, from those outcomes is that we're having a massive impact. So 60% of the patients that we treated in our clinical trial, of the, of the completers in our clinical trial, reversed their type 2 diabetes. So got to sub-diabetic levels and got off all of their hypoglycemic medication with the exception of metformin, 60%. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you compare that to traditional ministry, which says it really can't be reversed. So they're talking less than 1% reversal in traditional care, and we're at 60%. Just groundbreaking right there, right? So right. if you said 100 people in the room, 100 patients suffering from type 2 diabetes, traditional medicine has to- told us we can't get, you to get one of you to sub-diabetic and off of medication. At Verta, we're saying 60 of you in the room. What happened with the other 40%? Yeah, so, um, so some of those, so actually we, we were able to get another 10% to sub-diabetic HbA1c levels with still taking some medication. So 70% yeah. got below sub-diabetic. And then uh, a majority of the remaining saw improvement. So we yeah. still saw vast improvement. Uh, but for us, uh, we held ourselves to a pretty high standard of saying, hey, we're talking about reversal. We want to talk about the patients that were getting to sub-diabetic levels. That's what we focused on. But saw uh, progress throughout the vast majority of the population that we are treating in the clinical trial. Wow, that's great. In addition, you know, just to kind of hit on what else we were able to achieve for these patients. Uh, mm-hmm. So I talked about the medication reduction, and I talked about yep. the fact that we're getting patients off of medication. 94% of our participants either fully eliminated or reduced their insulin levels. So again, we're bringing that medication away, safe yep. taking patients off medication, and seeing them have tremendous success while we're doing that. And then yeah. lastly, we also saw weight loss. It's not what yeah. we focus on, but it's definitely a happy byproduct of what we do. 12% of average weight lost over one year and then sustained. That's impressive, especially because, you know, high low, you know high, higher than average BMI tends to be sort of a, a gateway to other things, right? Absolutely. Uh, and we're seeing all types of positive impacts on other comorbidities as well. And I mentioned our, our uh, focus on clinical research. Um, we're going to be continuing to publish papers in peer-reviewed publications in scientific journals on a whole host of other areas that will be coming out, some uh, this year and then throughout. We're committed to continuing our trial and, and focusing on publishing a lot of our outcomes just because they're, they're so revolutionary and groundbreaking. The folks that are going, you know, through the program, because it is treatment through nutrition, right, and through food, really, right, the people that are going through the program, what, what's the retention rate of those participants or the compliance after year one, year two? I mean, are they sticking with it? Yeah, great question. And something that we get all the time, hey, that, you know, people go through this, what are you seeing longer term? So I can tell you that, uh, that certainly through our clinical trial, the participation levels, the engagement, the retention was fantastic. So at year one, for our commercial book of business, which is even more applicable, we have over 90% retention for our patients that come to Verda and undergo our treatment. The reason for that ongoing engagement and ongoing success is really twofold. The first is the speed with which we're having this impact. So when I talk about these patients getting to sub-diabetic A1C levels and getting off medication, it's not taking a year or 18 months to achieve this. Typically within the first 90 days, we're getting patients off of medication. We're getting them to sub-diabetic HB1C. Right. Absolutely. So when you think about that, that's what our patients say. They said, hey, boy, I thought this was going to take forever. And here I am. I've been on all types of medication, insulin, sulfonylureas, uh, everything you could name for decades, for 20 years. We have patients that have been on heavy medication for 20 years and have been told you cannot reverse this disease. At Verda, they're four months in and they're sub-diabetic for the first time. They're 
off of medications for the first time. It's truly revolutionary. And in fact, we just got a great um, little anecdote here. We did just get a great patient profile. Patient uh, just got the Verta tattoo, the logo on their leg. And it, it, that's just one quick snapshot of a story. But this is somebody who, again, you know, had been taking medication, had the same kind of sense of, boy, where is this going? Uh, Frustra- frustration and frustration, you know, hope, hopelessness. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they were so thrilled with their early results that, that they went ahead and got the, our logo tattooed, uh, which is always fantastic to hear. But I did. I said a, a true sign of a happy customer. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But but I mentioned two things. I mentioned the speed, and then the second is certainly. We'll talk a little bit about this. Is our our incentives as an organization? One of the things that's really unique about Verda is we do price at risk for clinical outcomes. So we go at risk from a pricing perspective for every single patient that we treat. It's an individual performance guarantee where we're guaranteeing success for those patients. And that's long-term. We maintain that. Once they've had success and gotten sub-diabetic, as long as they're enrolled with the Verta treatment, we guarantee they won't go back over that 6.5 threshold again. And we're seeing that long-term sustainability and success. So we're seeing patients stay in that sub-diabetic range. see them, no need to increase their medications. We're seeing the weight loss stay. So we're not seeing those spikes that weight recidivism that you see in some cases. And so again, it's, it's a hugely fast and life-changing impact for these patients. And then there's the sta- sustainability power where they, where they are staying engaged and their clinical outcomes are, are, uh, are being retained. So, okay. So you mentioned you're, you're at risk for results. And so that naturally leads to a question of, of uh, price. Mm-hmm. You're right. So, so what is for, for an employer who and most employers do have a significant percentage of their population that is, you know, going to fall within this, this category of, of, of diabetics. For an employer that signs up with you, how does it work? What is the fee structure to engage Verta? And then, you know, based on that fee structure, explain to me how you're at risk. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the fee structure itself will, will vary just by volume of client and by type of client as well. <clears throat> so I won't go into the exact numbers, but we'll, what I will share is our pricing model goes first at risk just for, just for participation. So we yep. price purely on an enrolled basis. So we're not going to charge our partners for a vast majority of patients if they're not all engaging in the treatment. So we okay. only charge per participant. So it's, it's, gonna be, it's voluntary. You know, you guys you know, do the communication to try to get people educated. And, you know, as people enroll, then it's per participant, which you get paid. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And so, so uh, per participant, a patient comes in and enrolls with us. We send them all of that durable medical equipment that I mentioned before uh, for them to be successful. All the Lancet's testing strips, wireless scale, the glucose and ketone meter, they've got all of that. Then we introduce them to their care team. They're working with their Verta physician. They're working with their Verta coach. They're on the Verta app. They're logging those key biomarkers. We're building their care plan. 30 days after that, if a patient says, you know what, this is great, but it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Zero charge for that patient. So we've sent them all the durable medical equipment. We provided them their care team. We've invested in that patient. If they decide, hey, it's been 30 days, it's not for me, I'm gonna leave, no charge for that patient. Very rare that that happens, but it is a question that we get. And so we wanna ensure that that patient is committed uh, and that, that they're excited about the work that we're gonna do with them. Um, so again, that, that's very rare that we see a dropout. But if we do, we go fully at risk for that enrollment. We also have the patients do a complete uh, lab panel at one of our, our lab partners and get that, that, that starting level for us to, to uh, set our performance guarantees on. And then we guarantee in six months time, we'll either have a full 1.0 drop 
an HbA1c level or get that person below 6.5 HbA1c. And so we guarantee that. We have patients that, just to kind of set that example, if a patient comes to us and says, okay, I've got a starting A1C, HbA1c level of 12, and I'm on all this medication, and it continues to trend up, trend up, trend up, just like you see most HbA1c levels in patients today. They enroll with Verda in six months. We got them from a 12 to an 11.1. And they're like, this is fantastic. This has been creeping up for years and I've been taking more medication. And now I'm finally seeing this reverse. This is, this is incredible. It is incredible. And we love that. And we're so excited, but we didn't hit our performance guarantee. So we charge $0 for that patient. Even though we're having tremendous success, they're really excited. They're doing way, way better. We're not going to charge them because we didn't hit our performance guarantee. I love that primarily because it, one, it's an aligned incentive because one, you're only getting paid for those that engage. So it's not a flat, you know, PEPM <laughs> and you're committed to results. And there's just so many healthcare insurance, you know, vendors in our space that they get paid regardless of, of the results. And so I, I like to, to, to call this, I would bucket you guys into a rare group of um, entrepreneurial companies that, that have adopted performance-based reimbursement. That's how I would uh, categorize this. And I think it's fantastic. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. And it's a, it's a core component of what we do. And I should say it was one of the core components on why I was so attracted to Verda as well. In addition to the leadership team, the fact that they were taking a revolutionary approach to a major, major problem, it was that, that alignment of incentives. We talked in the beginning of the podcast about some of the macro level issues that, that face the healthcare system and face us as, as members of the healthcare system. And Verda was always committed and remains committed to that alignment of incentives. We're getting paid for clinical results. We yep. want people to get healthier and get better. That's what we're focused on. And that's what we think about every day when we wake up. I want to go back to sort of the, the support that you're providing to a person who is engaged in the program. Clearly, and I do, I do believe this, I've, I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in, in family members that what you put in your body can have a huge effect on your health, on your weight, on all those things. But change is hard, yep. even when a person is willing, mentally ready to go for it, right? So give us a little bit more color on the type of support, of support a person who decides to engage with Verta Health is, is going to get from you guys. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point, Michael, because you're right, change is hard. And anyone who says different is either ill-informed or, or non-truthful, right? Mm -hmm. uh, change is hard. And so I think with, with Verda, one of the things that we, that we do when we engage our patients is we build uh, not only uh, the solution based on their clinical profile, but also on, on contextual information. So we do an intake call with each patient that we treat, just understanding who they are as a person right? Yeah. Forget their A1C levels and forget their weight. Let's talk about who they are. Let's talk about what struggles they've had in the past. Let's talk about their lifestyle. Are they somebody who's on the road all the time eating alone? Are they someone who eats with their family every night? So we really get into a lot of personal information on that patient to help us understand the best way to provide a treatment plan. Sure. And, it, and I, would have to under, I would have to assume, and I think this is one of the failures of our current healthcare system, I mean, there's, there's social factors that, that come into play. So it's like, it's, it's not, it's, it's yes, do they, are they on the road all the time? You know, do they eat at home with their family? Is the person a single mom of four children, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, do, they, do, they, do they have a second job? Absolutely. All of those things. And you think about, I mean, because that impacts everything, right? That impacts not just the food you put into your body. It impacts your stress level. It impacts your mental state. It impacts everything around you. Uh, so you're absolutely right. We, so we, we look at each patient as an individual. And I can tell you that we are treating patients in 49 out of 50 states today of all types of socioeconomic backgrounds. We're, we're treating we're treating truck drivers. We're treating one of the, the largest Native American nations uh, in the U.S. So, you know, you name it, we've got it all across the board. And I think that's what everyone in healthcare needs to remember is at the end of the day, these are, these are, these are people that you're treating on an individual level. And so that's the approach that we take is first just building that profile on the patient to understand what it is they need. From there, and from an ongoing support structure at Verda, I mentioned that they, they actually are set up with a care team. So not just a health coach, but also a Verda-employed doctor. We employ our physicians. We don't outsource that. And that care team stays with them. Uh, and so they're going to be working with the same people. And those coaches, and they're fan- just phenomenal. And our coaches have backgrounds in uh, you know, diabetes educators, they're, uh, they're nurse practitioners, we have PhDs on staff as, as coaches, and they build a very, very strong rapport with our patients. We see on average three interactions per day with our patients within the first 90 days. So wow. three interactions per day. And those are real interactions. Those aren't form emails going out into someone's inbox. Those are in-app conversations, largely through text-based medium, where they're working with the same coach. And it is a very detailed approach because, you know, we have people who are texting their coach to say, hey, I'm going out to, to dinner tonight with a big group of friends. And, you know, they want to go to, these are some of the things I'm, I'm looking at, help me walk through the menu. So we get really detailed and personal. Uh, and, and we hear that from our patients. You know, we, we, we get that feedback that, that uh, the support of the, of the care team is, is so critically important to, to them and their success. And then the second piece to that care team, as I mentioned, is the physician. So our on-staff physicians are doing telemedicine visits with our patients on a regular basis. Typically, it's about uh, once a quarter, but it certainly can increase based on the patient's needs. And that's huge, right? Talk about access, because I think we can all relate. Sometimes uh, getting in to, to see your physician and having that ongoing relationship can be difficult. It can be difficult to get there, difficult to get through the meeting, and sometimes it's short. And so, well, uh, to, to your last point, and sometimes you wait in the office for 45 minutes and then you actually see your primary care physician for 15 minutes. And, you know, how is a person trying to maintain their lifestyle with a chronic disease burden? How is that 15 minute interaction with the physician meaningful and valuable? If you guys are doing quarterly telemedicine visits, are there any time limits on those visits? Can the physician spend as long as they want with the patient? Great question. No, no time limits. They can spend as long as they want with the patient. They will spend as long as they want with the patient. And then the other thing that I would add to that is to your point, right? Sometimes the primary care physician in a brick and mortar doesn't have as much time as they would like. And that's unfortunate. Like, and that's, that's, that's not uh, the fault of the primary care physician. That's just the system that, that we live in today. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and we also recognize that they're doing great work. And one thing that we're clear on, because we do have a lot of providers that we talk to all the time, is we are, are not a replacement for a primary care physician. We definitely look to be additive to the care ecosystem. And what the providers love is we actually push them information. So when we work with our patients, first thing we say is, who's your primary care physician? And you should have right. one. And so we try and make sure uh, that they're aligned with the primary care physician. And then we say, are you okay with us pushing them information? 
because we're collecting so much data, so much usable information, so many leading indicators about what these patients are going through, that it's going to be incredibly helpful to share that information with the providers. That's what we hear from the providers is this is great. More information than they've ever had on their patient. We're always doing consultations with providers as well. So if a primary ever wants to talk to one of our our physicians. We do those consultations all the time. And I would imagine there has to be interaction with that primary care physician, because if this is a person who has been prescribed medication for 10 years, right, for them to feel comfortable getting off their medication, I'm sure there has to be a communication between the Verta team and the primary care physician to be like, hey, check out these results. You may want to consider taking this patient off of the meds. Is that how the conversation goes? Or is that between, you know, Verda and the employee. So once we have consent from the patient that we can send information to, the, to their primary care physician, um, so we are actually deprescribing meds. So our doctors will say to the patient, okay, your A1C is going down, and so it's time to start titrating these meds down or, or off. And that's what we are absolutely sending to their primary care physician as well. And All saying, right, cool. hey, by the way, I don't know if you, you know this, but I, I know you're not scheduled to see this patient for nine more months, but in the last three, they're subdiabetic. And so we're removing all these medications. Anything you need, let us know. We'll continue to send information on how they're doing. And so the reaction is, has been very positive anecdotally right. from the uh, physician field, especially with now risk-based risk, ri- risk arrangements. They're seeing, hey, my, my patient's numbers are fantastic. So it's been a very positive story and, and we're still very, very much committed to working closely with those primary care physicians yeah. to, again, to ensure that, that the best care is provided and that the patient's getting healthier. So here's a question. So you know, if the average annual cost for a diabetic in a given population is about $14,000, what type of savings can an employer expect by implementing this program? Um, and it is, it, it's so interesting to see that average cost because as you, Michael, as you can certainly appreciate, it is interesting to see how much that varies across the U.S. as well because we have seen some employers and health plans where those costs are just especially in specific populations are, are drastically higher, which is, mm-hmm. which is just mind-blowing. But to answer your question, yeah, the, the expected savings certainly varies by the population. But on our book of business, I can tell you that we're, we're sharing what we've seen is in the thousands of dollars hard cost savings in year one. We are working on some publications, so I won't go into too much detail. What, sure. I, what I will tell you is over the course of two years, a conservative estimate is just under $10,000 in hard cost savings. So per, per participant. Yep. Rx reduction and, yep. and then the actual clinic costs and DME costs. I can tell you from a volume perspective that in our clinical trial, we did uh, eliminate from a total uh, hypoglycemic medication, I talked about 94% of the users either reducing or eliminating the need to use insulin, over 50% of the hypoglycemic medication fully eliminated by volume. Yeah. Well, and I think what probably doesn't get captured in that analysis is the unnecessary visits to the emergency room and or hospitalizations for non-compliance with some of the meds, right? Where a person's blood glucose level is getting out of control and boom, they end up in the ER. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, historically where diabetes, uh, what you would consider like diabetes management or disease management, which is not how we bucket ourselves, but traditionally it's been a lot about cost avoidance. And we're certainly capturing that value as well and creating that value. But it's, it is pretty refreshing that at Verda, we can point to the hard costs and say, listen, yes. this is today. This is, you know, this isn't hey, in, in next year, or the year after we're going to avoid these costs. That's true. And we are doing that, but we can point to the hard costs today and say, listen, 
over 50% of the medication being stripped out of cost for not just the sponsor, but for that patient, right? I mean, you talk to patients today and there's there's people that make the decision of purchasing their medication or paying their rent. They're going to pay their rent. This is, you know, real life for patients that are that are struggling with this every day. So for us to be able to say we can bring those costs down for those individual patients is unbelievable, and it's life changing for a lot of the patients that we treat. This probably has a lot of it has potential to eliminate a lot of revenue for certain drug manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And you know, and and the the sad truth is, as you're well aware, and as as we hit on earlier in the podcast, you know the this is an epidemic, right? So, so the, the number of patients that suffer from this continues to trend uh, wildly high. And with that, the costs of these medications continue to go up and up and up. And there's no incentive to solve the problem. The, the, the incentive is to have people maintain a standard of living and to produce drugs that cost more money. That's really, in my opinion, what it is. So, well, good. So we, we covered the fee structure. You know, we covered how you guys are at risk. Who is this a good fit for? Who is it not a good fit for? And do you guys have any sort of limitations as far as employer size or geographic yeah. location, anything like that? Great question. Nothing from a geographic standpoint. Um, you know, again, we're treating patients throughout the U.S. From an industry perspective, it's completely broad range. You know, we're truck drivers to mention that, um, one of the largest Native American populations to to Purdue University, so a very broad spectrum of, of the populations that we're treating. Right now, our focus on patients is adults aged 18 to 70, okay. so that's that's really where we're focused uh, today. We know that there's certainly growing problems with the obesity rate in children as well, but but for us right now, it's, it's really the adult population. And then from an employer size, that will vary. Uh, right now, we're typically talking to organizations that are 5,000 employees and above, Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, uh, again, always flexible. And, and we try and look at it on a case-by-case basis. So there's, you know, we talked about the cost of patients that suffer from type 2 diabetes and also the incidence rate, which is, you know, just is so varied by population. So certainly, you know, if there's an employer with a very high incidence rate, we'd certainly be open to, to working with them and talking to them as well. What are some of the obstacles that you've encountered to an employer saying yes to implementing the service, you know, when, when you've kind of presented and laid it out? Yeah, great question. So um, the, I think the refreshing thing for us is there hasn't been a lot of obstacles. I think people are really excited. So our growth has been absolutely tremendous. And I, I don't see any, any, uh, any slowing down. In fact, we're even speeding up more and more. Uh, so as an organization, I mean, we're just growing, growing, growing which is fantastic. What I would tell you in full transparency is this is new, right? So yeah. this is, so we're coming in there and the conversation is not, Hey, we, we know what everyone else is saying and we're doing it a little bit better, right? The conversation is, this is completely different. This is revolutionary. We've got peer reviewed clinical outcomes that show that this works. This is unlike anything anyone's ever heard or experienced out in the market. So it, there is an education process. And once sure. we once we start to educate uh, these buyers, you know, they, again, they're, they're looking at the numbers, they're hearing the patient testimonials and seeing the, the impact that we're having on our patients' lives. And so I think that's really why we're getting to yes, is that, again, hear these stories of these patients that have just been transformed by the Verta treatment. Which is fantastic. You know, I think the, the impact that, that you can have on, on somebody's life is pretty incredible. And I've, I've uh, had a chance to look at some of the, the testimonials that you guys have gotten from the participants, and it's, it's impressive. Thank you. Uh, to wrap this up, Bill, I think this was a great dialogue. If there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? I think you've, you've asked it in a different way, but I think it'd be great just to kind of recap with it, which is what's most important to Verta? 
as an organization, you know, what do we think about every day? And I started with our mission, which is to reverse type two diabetes in 100 million people by the year 2025. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. I think the focus for us is we wake up every day thinking about how we can improve people's lives, make them healthier, make them happier and reverse this disease that up until now they've been told is irreversible. That's our focus. That's what we're doing at scale. We're tremendously proud of our work and, and we're excited to continue it. You know, you guys started in 2014. So that's a big, hairy, audacious goal to get to, you know, 100 million, right? So, so where are you at right now? How many, how many lives have you guys touched in the program so far? Yeah, um, boy, uh, you know, we're treating thousands of patients today. We did actually just bring product to market in 2017. So okay, I mentioned the... Yep. I mentioned the founding in 2014, but then our dedication to clinical research. So 2015 and, and most of 2016, we're really focused on the clinical trial and making sure, you know, we're going to be evidence-based. That's our focus and, and we'll continue to be. So that was our, our early focus um, and then started commercialization. And that just continues to grow and grow and grow very, very rapidly. So how can people interested in the VertiHealth product and service learn more about the product and, and figure out if it's a good fit for, for their, uh, their people? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so one, one easy option just to understand more about what we're doing is uh, our website, www.vertahealth.com. And then the other is uh, feel, they can feel free to reach out to me directly. And my email is pretty easy. It's bill at vertahealth.com. So that's a nice <laughs> easy one. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, they can always reach out to me and, uh, and I'll be sure to, to respond and get them in touch with the right folks as well. All right. Great, Bill. Uh, well, hey, on behalf of our listeners and myself, I want to thank you for, for taking time out of your schedule to join us. I think it's been a great discussion. And I, I just think this is, is a fascinating concept, something that I actually I, I believe in because I've seen similar results with members of my family that uh, food can be therapy. Absolutely. I totally agree. And Michael, I want to thank you. You have, this is a tremendous podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan and I really enjoyed the conversation today. So thanks so much for having me on. You bet, you bet. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. For those interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Verta Health's website and contact information. Lastly, we've got some good interviews coming up over the next few months, but we're always looking for good companies to have on the show. So if you know of an organization that's doing good work in the marketplace that you think would be a good fit for the show, send us a note on our website and we'll check them out. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.